Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo-wah. Welcome to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. I'm Chris Graham. Glad to be back this week on the show with Jerry, and we've got a lot to get into. Basketball news, which we'll get into later on. And, of course, Virginia getting ready to host ODU this weekend in Scott Stadium on Saturday at 2 o'clock. And, Jerry, I, I love the way uh, Coach Elliott put it uh, in his Tuesday press conference. It's almost like this one's for the state title. ODU beat Virginia Tech a couple weeks ago. If ODU beats Virginia this weekend, I think ODU's the champions of Virginia for the year. Sure seems that way, doesn't it, Chris? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I think uh... – I think ODU also plays Liberty and maybe JMU. I'm not. They should sure. play, yeah, because they, they're in the same conference as JMU. They, they so that, yeah, them. so they should have a chance to sweep the state if that's if they're capable of doing that. And uh, certainly, it seems like they are. Um, but yeah, I thought that was. Uh, I, I hope that uh, resonated with this team that, that these guys are are no joke, and you better you better be on your p's and q's if you want to win this game. Even though you're a nine-point favorite, that doesn't mean anything if you're getting hit in the mouth and don't respond like they did up in Champaign last Saturday. Yeah, you know, ODU lost last week 39-21 at ECU, and ECU ran up something like 550, 560 yards of offense. But but when ODU beat Tech, um, Tech was in the low 300s offense, and also ODU forced five turnovers, four interceptions of the quarterback. Um, Grant Wells, the new quarterback for Virginia Tech, they also – uh, recovered and ran back for a touchdown, a, a, a long snap on a, uh, a field goal try, and uh, got just enough offense in that one. And so, yeah, and with, of course, with what Virginia went through last week, uh, that was – Jerry, we haven't talked since then. That, that was a, a shocking performance from that offense. I mean, I know the line's got issues, but the, the receivers weren't getting open. Brennan didn't seem to be on any, any kind of rhythm. And um, – so, I mean, another another quote from, from Tony Elliott this week, uh, you know, ODU's got to smell the blood in the water uh, with, with this Virginia team reeling. Like, I've never – I've not seen this Virginia program reel uh, this much maybe since the early years of the, of the Mendenhall era. Yeah, and it goes back to something Tony said a couple of weeks ago that football is about winning in the trenches. And uh, Virginia held up fairly well on defense. I'll give them credit for that. They had trouble – stopping Chase Brown, but then everybody has so far. He leads the nation in rushing, but, um, uh, you know, and Illinois pulled him early, so they they could have had even more yardage and more points probably had they kept him in. But uh, offensively, uh, it was shocking that uh, Virginia got beat so badly time and time again up front. Um which really shut down their running game. It wasn't very successful. And Armstrong was running for his life most of the day. And unlike last year when he seemed to – his accuracy seemed to improve when he was chased from the pocket, it didn't. that didn't hold true in Illinois last Saturday. He was uh, – hit less than 50% of his passes. I think it was his lowest grade as a starting quarterback definitely his lowest production since he was hurt and didn't play but one half against NC State two years ago. Um, but, you know, when the pass rush is dominating the line of scrimmage and your quarterback is hurried and can't doesn't have time to let the receivers run their routes properly 
and I'll give Illinois credit. They had some pretty good defensive backs that were playing suffocating man-to-man defense. But when uh, you're getting – you don't have to cover the receivers quite as long, you can you can do that. And certainly Illinois was hitting on all cylinders in that phase of the game, and Virginia just looked awful on offense. I, I couldn't see anything positive they could garner out of that game. You know, what frustrated me watching the game as it was going on was it, it just didn't feel like Des Kitchings, the new offensive coordinator for Virginia, adjusted at all. Um, you know, you talked about Brennan Armstrong uh, having trouble you know, he, he, like last year, he did have great scramble stats and also throwing out of the pocket stats. And it just felt like, you know, they've been so um, focused on making him a pocket passer this year and, and taking him out of those situations where he's, you know, creating with his feet and creating, you know, moving the pocket and that kind of thing uh, to keep him healthy. That um, as a result of that, they made him a pocket passer. And, and if, if, he, you know, he, 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 there was one play where they moved the pocket right after the fumble uh, in the second quarter. And they, uh, and then uh, Fentrell Swipers tried to return it and got, you know, tackled at the five yard line. Uh, the first down play, they moved the pocket, had a little bit of a play action. There was a running back in the flat in the pattern. And then Lavelle Davis was deep. And both of the, both the safety and the linebacker went to the running back and left Davis wide open and, and, you know, 62 yard gain. And other than that, though, I don't know if I recall a single other time where they intentionally moved the pocket to try to give him some time to get away from those five guys who were in his face the whole game, kind of had him just dropping back there and, and, you know, not having enough time to get the receivers open. And that, that was just, to me, it was almost like, okay, at halftime, let's say, Hey, we're not blocking up front very well. Let's do something different. They, they continue to try to do the same thing over and over in the second half and it didn't work. I don't see why they would have been fooled into the perception that they could afford to keep him in the pocket all day long against any power five team that has any kind of defense uh, and not move the pocket because they know what they have coming back on the offensive line. And maybe Richmond doesn't give them enough of a test or maybe gave them a false perception that this offensive line could protect better than it really could. Uh, and going against your own defense in practice for 30 days may have uh, formed some false impressions as well. But they better figure something out for Saturday because I guarantee you Old Dominion is uh, – they're no dummies, Ricky Ronnie and, and his staff. Uh, I'm sure studied the heck out of that Illinois game film, and they're going to bring rushers maybe more than five early to see if Tony Elliott and and Garrett 2J have corrected that problem, if they've fixed what was wrong. And uh, we'll find out really quick whether that problem has been addressed. Well, I'm sure it's been addressed, whether it's been corrected or not. Um it's Old Dominion's going to come out for him, and and like you said, uh, quoting Tony, Old, Old Dominion smells blood in the water, and they should because uh, there's there's some serious issues that they've got to correct if they want to move forward with this offense. And uh, you wrote about it. I've been writing about it. Uh, Tony Billy uh, Elliott talking this week about telling his team, "Hey guys, this isn't last year." This isn't last year's offense. This forget last year's numbers. This is a new system. You need to accept it. 
Um, I don't know how that's going to go over. Maybe uh, maybe these guys can't adjust well to the new the new system. Maybe they haven't bought into it. Maybe they haven't uh, embraced it. Maybe they are having a hard time making that change. I, I don't know. We'll find out as we go along, but it's not last year, and they're not going back to the Robert and I freelance offense. Um, so they better pay attention in practice to what the coaches are trying to tell them if they want to move forward. Otherwise, they've got all faithful future Illinois games right in front of them. Old Dominion's not a pushover, and certainly going to Syracuse next Friday night um, with Anai and, and Jason Beck waiting on them, they're, they could get it handed to them up there as well if they don't get things uh, addressed between now and then. You know, one thing you, you mentioned the the comment from Tony Elliott about this isn't last year's offense. Um, you know, one thing that I heard him say a few different ways, both after the game uh, on Saturday and then on Tuesday in his presser, um, it seems like he's trying to suggest that Brennan Armstrong's having trouble um, stepping up and being a leader. Um, you know, he, he basically he's, he said it a few different ways where he's trying to get Armstrong during the game, you know, on Saturday, trying to get him to go lead his guys, you know, trying to, you know, communication was an issue, he thought. Uh, and also the, the receivers, of course, themselves, too. Like, he, I think he made one point. Uh, if you see that there's five defensive guys uh, in the backfield or even six, um, maybe break off your route. I mean, receivers are supposed to break, you know, if you, if you, if you sense that there's two more guys coming in than there are blockers, you know, don't keep running your long route, uh, you know, break it off. Um, and, and they didn't do that. Uh, but yeah. And, and, you know, he, he said, Brennan should have gone and, and, and dealt with that. And, and then he didn't. And, you know, cause he was off his game and, you know, so it seems like as much as, you know, maybe my perception does kitchens isn't putting them in the right places. Um, but also the guys themselves aren't making adjustments during the game. And maybe there's just a, in addition to the lack of performance, there's a lack of confidence right now among those guys with the offense. Yeah. And, and that showed Saturday, I think, because they, uh, you kept waiting for something to happen. Like after watching this offense uh, shine for more than a year, uh, dating back to part of 2020, it was hard to accept, hard to believe that they were being handcuffed like they were, um, particularly this bunch of receivers who were not only talented but experienced. And you would have thought that they had seen and dealt with most everything that be that could be thrown at them. And I know the pass rush uh, was causing havoc. And but you're right. You know, I, I was surprised that Armstrong didn't handle it better. Um, he seemed to be pretty good on the run and uh, being innovative when things break down. I know they don't want him to run as much and he didn't, but in the meantime, uh, he, he wasn't finding anybody open. I don't know if he had, you would think they would have hot receivers in those situations where if they're getting blitzed and, and sending five, six guys and they can't block them, that there'd be hot receivers out there uncovered some of the time uh, to dump it off to or for Des Kitchens to call some screen passes to maybe slow up the pass rush a little bit. I didn't see – I don't know if I saw any screen passes, not the traditional screens anyway. 
Um, so maybe there is a lack of confidence in, in what's going on. And uh, you would have never thought that Armstrong would lack for any leadership skills because he's have seemed to exhibit those over the past couple of years. But maybe when things break down to the degree they did last Saturday that he had lost confidence too and just couldn't get it figured out. I, I don't know. Maybe that's what they're going to have to work on all week this week in practice. I know they've addressed all these issues. And Tony said he's on Armstrong all the time about being more vocal, being more of a leader, getting in guys' faces more. I, I never really thought that, that Armstrong had a problem getting in guys' faces before. I know that uh, – I've heard him uh, use a few salty terms to some of his teammates before one things break down. So uh, and I've heard it from some of the teammates as well, but uh, I was somewhat flabbergasted. I, again, I, I kept waiting for something to happen, something major to happen. And it really never did. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965 with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big time steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. They were like a boxer that uh, is sitting on the stool between rounds late in a fight and just kind of knew they were beaten. <laughs> you know, just... I've, I've not seen that out of this group. You're right. Armstrong, I remember, boy, when he was a true freshman, he had to come in the middle of a game once uh, for Bryce Perkins. Maybe it was like the Louisville game or something like that. That was and the first time he did that, yeah. Yeah, and, and he came in and he, he he ran for a first down and he's like throwing his arm for almost threw his arm out. He was he was so happy about that first down. I mean, a guy with that kind of emotion, he didn't have it. He didn't have it on Saturday, definitely. And, and that group, yeah, the offensive side looked defeated. Now, the defensive side, I think you mentioned this, Jerry. I, I – I don't think there's anything wrong with what they did. They the, the, the 24 points, but seven of those were on that really we'll talk about, I'm sure the the couple of silly plays that Virginia had in that game, one by Billy Kemp that led to a, a, a special teams touchdown for Illinois. But, you know, I want to say 390 yards of offense. That's respectable uh, against an Illinois team that it runs the ball really well and 17 offensive points. And after the boy, I, I think it was the, First drive, the, the first play of the second quarter, Illinois scored a, a touchdown. They had like first and goal at the two at the end of the first quarter. After that, it was 21 3. And after that, it was a, they, they got one field goal the rest of the way. Now there were a couple turnovers. Turnovers were a big part of this game. Virginia forced four of them. So um, defensively, I think that was, a, that was about as good as you'd expect from a Virginia defense. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time that they forced four turnovers. I, I don't think it happened at all last year. And, um, you know, they essentially the defense gave up 17 points because of the, uh, the Billy Kemp fumble that Illinois got and turned into a touchdown. Plus, uh, Illinois missed a couple of field goals. So, uh, you know, they didn't give a lot of, 
uh, give up a lot of big plays. Uh, the tackling seemed better in most cases. They again, they did have a hard time corralling Chase Brown, who is uh, one of the best backs in the country and getting yards after contact. Uh, but I, you know, I thought overall the defense had nothing to hang its head over. And if they can continue to show that kind of improvement week after week, um, then there's no excuse this team can't win because it should be putting up a whole hell of a lot more than three points a game. Uh, I didn't go back and look and see the last time they were held to that, but I guess it was probably against maybe Clemson or somebody in one of those big games a few years ago. Well, Notre Dame last year when um, Armstrong was out and Wolfolk had to start, I think was uh, Virginia only scored three points. But uh, oh yeah, I try. I forgot with about your that. with your first unit all intact. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, um, and for, for Virginia fans, the frustrating thing is, boy, give us last week's defense and last year's offense, and we have a pretty good football team. We just can't get, seem to get it right either. Either we can't stop teams and we score 39 how many ever points we can score in a game, or we can't score uh, when we when we actually slow a, a pretty good offense down. That's that's uh, that's that's the the problem for Virginia fans out there. And um, special teams also, I mentioned the issue Billy Kemp with that. Uh, just for for a fifth year guy who's been valued for his you know on field smarts, uh, that that play where he caught the ball at the ten, tried to break a tackle, ran backwards fumbled, recovered for a touchdown. And then Finch Charles Cypress, uh, we mentioned his his uh, fumble recovery in the end zone. I mean, when, you know, seeing it on TV, you know, that's what I was doing was watching TV. You know, you can't really get a sense of what did he see? Maybe he saw open field and was, you know, some guy tracked him down. When you Actually, they showed a TV replay from what would have been his view behind the end zone there. And it was nothing. He was just trying to create a play. Um, I wrote a column. I call them hero plays. Um, you know, you don't need guys making hero plays. You just need guys making smart plays. Tony actually addressed that this week in his press conference and, you know, talked about how guys need to be making smarter plays out there. Yeah, I was really – I know Billy Kemp has a lot of pride and a chip – likes to play with a chip on his shoulder and, and doesn't ever want to fair catch anything. And, uh, you know, I give him credit for that. But you got to be smart. You Anytime a, a punt has you that deep in your own – territory uh, I think he was at the 10 yard line you got a fair catch that and 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 do what you can you, you can't can't try to return that because you know that there's so much, somebody going to be there all over you and even if you do catch it there's a you know and, and, and there's not a fair catch there's a good always a chance you could fumble that or get stripped and lead to an easy uh, touchdown that's unnecessary so I was a little disappointed in that because uh, being a, a guy with his kind of experience, he shouldn't be making those kind of mistakes. Uh, Fentrell, yeah, same thing. I mean, just down at the end zone, you, you made the play already. You stopped him. Uh, just take what you can get out of it. You, you don't need to try to – like you said, you don't need to be a hero. You just got to be smart. I'm sure they've uh, addressed that all – uh, ad nauseum in uh, film review this week because I remember back uh, many, many years ago when I played and uh, if you made a mistake, uh, that mistake was played over and over and over again uh, in front of your teammates. And uh, sometimes the coach would say something, sometimes he didn't have to because he knew, uh, he knew you knew. And so uh, 
and that your teammates knew. So I'm sure that uh, that has sunk in with both of those players this week, and hopefully that'll um, lead to no more plays like that this year. And East Carolina, you mentioned, uh, I mean, uh, Old Dominion losing to East Carolina. That, that you know, that, that was not a – a really bad loss. I know it was 39-21, but it was 16 to 14 in the third quarter until uh the Pirates outscored them 23 to 7 the rest of the way. And a lot of that was a was an early 81 early fourth quarter 81 yard run by uh, Keaton Mitchell who kind of landed the the knock, knockout punch. Um and you look at the stats in that game and it's a, a little bit deceiving because looking at the stats, you would think that East Carolina would have won 50 to 19 or something because they, they ran 86 plays to old dominions, 43. They owned the ball 40 minutes and 52 seconds to only 19 minutes for old dominion. They out uh, out yarded them five hundred and thirty one to two ninety and outrushed them two hundred and sixty one to fifteen. Um, so uh, that's that's going to be interesting to see how Virginia uh, game plans for the Monarchs this Saturday because uh, it's sort of a contrasting games the way they played against Virginia Tech and took advantage of every hokey mistake and then they turned around and seemed to be the team that made the mistakes against probably an underrated East Carolina team that, that could have easily beaten NC State two weeks ago. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then, because I believed in the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Goodfeet Store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. Yeah, that's right. I was going to mention that. Yeah, it's a good ECU team. Um, we've seen some good uh, some, some good non-Power 5s from the state of North Carolina. App State won down at Texas A&M. Um, and then over in West Virginia, Marshall winning at Notre Dame. Boy, the... Uh, the uh, Sun Belt is looking pretty good right now, and that's that's the conference that ODU's in. Um, one off-the-field football-related news note uh, we both have reported on today, recording this on Thursday. Um, for people listening who are going to be going to the game on Saturday, uh, you're promised a better concessions experience. We'll see about that. You were promised that before the opener as well, but uh, Aramark putting out a lengthy statement. And, Jerry, a, a lot of this uh, chatter was going on on your Twitter feed this week. Yeah, I'm sure you probably uh, had a lot of feedback too, Chris. But uh, I noticed a lot of fans were very unhappy with uh, the service or lack of uh, for the opening game against Richmond. They said the lines were too long. They'd get there, the food would run out or the drinks would run out. Uh, the, the, the quality of the, some people complained about the quality of food. Uh, I guess restroom lines were too long. Uh, just uh, one problem after another. And I'll give Virginia credit. Um, Carl Williams and, and Kim Record and, and the other people over there seem to be listening and uh, have a, uh, 
apparently address the problems. And I know they're going to have like an, an extra food truck there this week. I think that'll give them at least two. Um, so, I, yeah, it's glad to see that the university is responding to the fans because they need to appease these fans as, as much as they can and, and try to get more people in the Scott Stadium than showed up for the opening game. And I know the attendance for that game was announced at 43,000, I believe. There wasn't 43,000 people there. That that was uh, somewhat deceiving. I mean, there might have been 43,000 tickets sold. Yeah. But Virginia's had a long history of, of that. I know the guy that used to be responsible, he's retired now, he used to be responsible for – uh, giving out the attendance figures, and he would just throw something off the top of his head, uh, depending on how many people were sitting on the bank, on the grass bank. And uh, and he he told me one time, he said, I, yeah, it's just a number I came up with. So I think uh, UVA probably needs to be a little bit more transparent with, with the actual number of fans that show up in the stadium because um, – I mean, it's. I, I know they're trying to impress recruits, and I know they're trying to impress whoever. But you've you've got to be uh, more transparent with that because you you don't want to uh, you don't want to give out wrong impressions. Yeah, we it was overheard in the press box. Actually, twenty seven thousand went through the turnstiles, uh, and. Boy, after halftime, the kids did not come back. The students, almost the entire section was gone. Um, it, was, it was like uh, stuff on Rugby Road doesn't start until the sun goes down, and that game was a 12-30 kickoff. I don't know where they went. They weren't studying because it's like the first week of school, so it wasn't that. They just didn't come back. Um, but that was that was noticeable. That was, that was um, not a good environment. And then, yeah, the, the fact that, even with a lot fewer people in the stadium, they still ran out of food, ran out of ice, and had long lines everywhere. So they say they're going to address it. We'll hope that that's the case. Um, hey, basketball news. Uh, a couple things uh, this week. Schedules uh, finally solidified. Uh, so there's schedule news. And then also, looking down the road, um, UVA basketball got a commitment from a big-time shooting guard out of New Jersey. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people didn't realize when they it came out that Elijah Gertrude from uh, Hudson Catholic in Jersey City, New Jersey, was being uh, entertained and and wooed by Tony and Jason Wilford. I don't I don't think people gave this guy a lot of credit, including the recruiting services who uh, didn't give him a very good rating. But then again, you know. He really improved over the spring and summer. This time last year, he probably wasn't – well, he's, I talked to his coach uh, up at Hudson, Nick Marinello, a really good guy who keeps churning out college prospects. I think he's got uh, – also has the top one or two point guards in the nation on this year's team along with uh, Gertrude. Uh, Gertrude was ranked number 157. Uh, just a few months ago, overall prospect. Uh, he jumped up to number 36 in the, refer in the entire 2023 recruiting class uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, moved up to the number uh, three shooting guard in the entire country. And that's how 
great a spring and summer he had playing for the City Rocks, uh, uh, EIBL or whatever the heck that is now, circuit team um, out of New York. And uh, Marinello told me, that, you know, this time last year, the only people that recruited him were some MAC teams and some schools in the Northeast. And uh, as the summer went along and Gertrude uh, narrowed his list of five, including Virginia, Kansas, Seton Hall, St. John's, and Rutgers, a lot of national programs tried to come in late, uh, as they did on T.J. Power. And Gertrude was happy with the, the five finalists and, and particularly happy with Virginia. He made two trips here and felt like it was an extension of his family back in Jersey City, and he really – uh, fell in love with with that, and also uh, has a great admiration for uh, Tony and Jason. So uh, they won his heart over quickly, and um, I think they should give a little credit to Doug Fresh Smith, our buddy, <laughs> who lives in Jersey City and uh, has been going to watch Gertrude the last couple of years and has gotten to know him and his family. So it probably didn't hurt that they trust a guy like Fresh and know that he's honest with them. And I'm sure he said nothing but good things about Virginia uh, for the last couple of years. So a little subliminal uh, work there on Fresh's part. UVA Orthopedics and Sports Medicine boast one of the finest teams of doctors in the country, and they're right here in Charlottesville to not only provide care for the University of Virginia athletic teams, but also the Charlottesville and Central Virginia communities. UVA Orthopedics has been a proud sponsor of the Jerry Ratcliffe Show for the past two years, with numerous team members featured in weekly segments where doctors share great insight into various sports injuries, what causes them, how to treat them, and recovery time. Their team of experts are there for you and offer the best care to solve your health problems and get you back on your feet. Let their team of specialists get you back in the game. You know, um, I, when I looked the numbers up, you mentioned the number 36 uh, recruit right now in the class of 2023. And I went back uh, to uh, in the last 10 years of um, UVA recruits. He'd be the highest rated recruit. Um, uh, Kyle Guy was a 37th overall recruit. Um, he would he would have been the highest uh, to date. So, wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, until I looked that up, I I, I sent I thought Kyle might have been higher than that, but uh, yeah, thirty seventh. And you look back, you know, so you look at this with Virginia's got I me mean, because he's already for twenty twenty three. Blake Buchanan, another four star, number sixty seven uh, as of right now in the in the overall class rankings, but two four stars this for next year, four four stars in this year's recruiting class. I mean, you know, Tony's first several really good teams were built around finding guys who were three stars, maybe marginal three slash four star guys, and then coaching them into being better players. Um, and and now he's he's getting himself a better caliber of athlete uh, in in there. So I I think this says a lot. I mean, for there there've been Virginia fans, you know, you see you on on social media from time to time. Hey, you know. Since 2016, the recruiting has gone downhill. Last two classes are these; these are the best he's had. Yeah, well, I think there was a little bit of slack immediately after. I don't, I don't uh, after they won that national championship. I, I don't. I'm not sure they had a, enjoyed a great uh, immediate follow 
follow on that. But uh, they've certainly picked up the pace the last two recruiting classes. Um, like you said, that's six four stars. And uh, they've never done – I don't think that I can recall they've ever had six four stars in uh, overall back-to-back recruiting classes. I may be wrong. I have to look that up. But I, I can't recall that they have. And, um, wow, I mean, what more could you ask for? I, they could have, you know, in all rights, they, in all, if things in a perfect world, they probably would have had TJ Power, who uh, last minute switched to Duke, even though he said he wanted to go somewhere where he, he could be fully developed. And, I, you know, I, we don't know if John Shire can develop players or not. Uh, they don't stick around there long enough, usually, to find out because they're already – pretty darn good when they get there. So um, I, I think uh, not only have they done a, a great job in these back-to-back recruiting classes, but just looking at the other guys they have offered, even for this class, um, they're nothing but four stars. And uh, the kids that they're looking at, uh, we've seen them look looking at classes of 24 and 25, there's a lot of really good talent that they're uh, already talking to. So I uh, I just can't imagine this program taking a step backward anytime in the near future. They're, they've got uh, so much talent uh, coming in and, and already in that uh, should those guys stick around, and I'm assuming they will, um, <laughs> it's the old – future so bright I gotta wear shades uh, <laughs> deal I looked I just I just uh, looked uh, through uh, a quick look at the 24 24 7 sports 247 sports how you say that site um, for the classes of 2017 through 2021 so after, after that great 2016 class of, with four four stars Ty Jerome Kyle Guy DeAndre Hunter Jay Huff um, between 2017 2021 a five-year period um, 13 total commits, uh, six four-stars, seven three-stars. So, um, yeah, so far, 2022-2023, six recruits, all four-stars. So that does suggest that the recruiting overall, the the, the level of, of commit has has definitely gone up. You're, you know, 100% four-stars right now. Yeah, and, and we wrote some time ago that Blake Buchanan, who picked Virginia over Gonzaga, was pretty much a two-horse race for him. Uh, might have been the steal of the summer because he he just kept getting better and better and better each week. Every tournament his team played in, he just continued to shine. And so uh, that reflected when they redid and updated the rankings and he made a dramatic jump just like Gertrude did. And of course, uh, Gertrude obviously is, is incredibly talented and, Talking to Coach uh, Marinello, he, he told me, he said, he's just a freakish athlete who has only scratched the surface of his game. So y- you can only imagine what's in store for him in terms of development once uh, he gets here and, and starts working out with these other big-time players. I mean, they're saying uh, Doug Smith, who's very familiar with all of Virginia's players since he played back with Corey and Junior and those guys back in the 90s, he's saying that Gertrude is more athletic than Justin Anderson. And, my God, I, I mean, how, 
How can you get more athletics than Justin Anderson? My eye, you can't see this on the podcast as you're listening in, but my eyes got really big when you said that. More <laughs> athletic than Justin Anderson. That that stands out. <laughs> him uh, and him and Adam Hall, the two the two best athletes I've seen in the last 25 years, 30 years or so, maybe uh, in UVA basketball. So, yes, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, he, he uh, Coach Marinella said he said he said it's it's hard to believe until you see it but he said his ability to elevate um it's just staggering and until you see it in person which you know it's justin anderson all over again because <laughs> i still he did things that i still can't believe but being way behind uh somebody on the fast break from the other team and that guy thinks he's got a wide open layup or dunk or something and out of the blue comes Justin Anderson and swats it into the stands. And I mean, how many times did we see that over a couple of years there and just uh, incredible athletic ability to uh, elevate on lobs and dunk the ball. And and then which uh, Gertrude has that kind of talent as well. And again, he's just getting into his senior year in high school and just turned 17 years old the other day, uh, I think so. Yeah, Justin, the 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 zone buster play that they could run with Justin Anderson, where they would just set a back screen on the back side of a of the um, zone and throw an alley oop pass. Um, that if if you wanted to play zone, you had to be had to guard against that, no doubt. Um, uh, yeah, so any 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 comparison to him athletically is interesting. Hey, let's talk about not only big news for the men's basketball program on the recruiting trail. This might even be bigger news for the women's basketball teams. We talked about the number 36 recruit committing to Virginia for the men, a top 30 recruit uh, signed or committed at least by Coach Mox and uh, right here in the backyard. Yeah, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. I'm assuming it's Kaimora Johnson. Uh, I haven't met the young lady yet, but we'll have to get her on a podcast sometime soon. Four-star guard from St. Anne's Belfield. Uh, announced uh, last week that, and she, like you said, she's a top 30 prospect uh, in the 2023 recruiting class nationally, the number one prospect in the state of Virginia, according, according to Hoop Girls, um, committed to Virginia. She's the Gatorade uh, 2021-22 state player of the year, five foot eight. Uh, she led the Saints to the state semifinals when she averaged, uh, these are some eye-popping numbers, 21.3 points per game, 7.7 rebounds, 6.7 assists, and 4.5 steals per game while shooting 47.4% from the three-point line, and uh, that's over 20 games. So she she could have gone anywhere. Uh, Baylor wanted her, North Carolina, Maryland Tech, Ohio State, VCU, Miami, Alabama, Clemson, Penn State, you name it. They all wanted her. She decided to stay home and play for Coach Mox, who's banging it up in the um, the recruiting trail. Recruiting and all – I mean, you know, there was – I'm trying to think the um, the young lady from – was it Louisa County? Yes. Uh, and then, of course, Sam Brunel coming – transferring in back from Notre Dame, coming back home. Uh, I mean, you know, when you're able to get St. Anne's Belfield, William Monroe, and Louisa County kids, um, that shows how how strong women's girls basketball, women's basketball is uh, in the Commonwealth. Uh, and if you can just, gosh, if you can keep those kids at home or get them to come back home, uh, 
this is what's been missing from Virginia women's basketball dating to the Debbie Ryan years. Uh, she used to, Debbie, Debbie always, her, her and her staff did so well um, recruiting in general, but recruiting the state of Virginia in particular. And um, I mean, you know, my, my first thought when Coach Mox came in last spring was, boy, this is, this is a turnaround. I mean, she's got, she, had, she had success at her previous stop, but it's going to take a while. I'm not so sure. They might get this thing turned around quicker than I thought. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, you know, they got a, a really good transfer from her program. Uh, out in Missouri, and uh, they've landed uh, one or two, I think two outstanding high school kids from the state of Missouri with uh, some big numbers uh, for, I guess we'll get here next season, I believe is correct. Uh, So um, not this coming season, but next season. But uh, yeah, uh, at this rate, they could be the most improved program in the nation this fall, I, I think. Yeah. Um, with an infusion of some talent, uh, not totally immediate, a couple of transfers that's going to help. And also um, just the fact that I, I think she's a good coach and brings in a, a solid staff and that and it, they're just going to be more fundamentally sound and a, a stronger smarter basketball program that's got more uh, motivation to perform than, than in the past few years. I think, uh, I, I don't remember which one it is. One of the early season um, game days for both men's and women's, there's a sort of a double header. There's a women's game in the afternoon and a men's game at night. And I think it's going to require some of us getting over there and, and uh, checking it out. Uh, you know, coach Mox promises, uh, you know, a more up-tempo style, uh, she brings a hard nosed defense, uh, with her teams. And, uh, and so, yeah, you know, it's been a while. I hate to admit that it's been a while since I've covered a women's game. Uh, well, it hasn't been any reason to, it hasn't been any reason to. Yeah. It's been, if so I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, what, what they put out there on the court and, and it's just, it's just going to get better, uh, the next few years. Oh, no question about it. Um, uh, it's. Uh, I think it's going to bring uh, women's basketball back to Virginia. They'll just start getting crowds at JPJ again, and uh, who knows? They may have another hot dog night now that Kim Record's back. <laughs> that's right. That's right, Kim Record. That's right. Uh, uh, I, I helped write about that uh, hot dog night. Uh, you have re- you've written about it a lot too. Uh, when I co-wrote a book on UVA basketball several years ago, got to know that story really well. Um, no, yeah, I, gosh, when I was a student on grounds in the 90s, uh, there were that was in the midst of those final four runs, Don Staley and the Burge twins, and all you know, the, the, the that group talented group of players. And U Hall was packed, uh, on a very f- uh, frequent and, and consistent basis uh, for women's games back then. I remember sitting one time, uh, in the last row of U Hall, uh, and it was it was UVA in Maryland, uh, number one versus number two one of those nights and it was as loud as I've ever heard it, including for men's games with, with Duke and Carolina. So, um, boy, I'd love to love to see that come back in some way for, uh, for the women as well. And, and coach Mox, if, if, if her energy suggests anything, it suggests that, that they may be able to get this, uh, moving in that direction. I would agree. I, I think she's said all the right things and made all the right moves and has, uh, walked the talk as they say uh, on the recruiting trail and she's serious she's she wants to win and she knows that 
the lifeblood of that is bringing in players who can play. And so she's, well, I think she's ahead of schedule in that department. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Virginia fans will be excited again about uh, women's basketball. Well, Jerry, we're getting close to wrapping up here. Well, anything else on your mind as uh, we close out another show? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, First of all, I want to thank the sponsors for – I forgot to do that in my last podcast with Harry Minium the other day. Uh, Please forgive me. So um, if you haven't listened to that and you want to get a real rundown on Old Dominion's football team, that'll be up the rest of the week for sure. Um, But uh, we want to thank our – podcast sponsors, all of our sponsors at jerryratcliffe.com, and particularly on the podcast, our podcast sponsors, the Good Feet Store over at Stonefield. Uh, you gotta, if you're having any trouble with your feet, uh, pain in your feet or uncomfortableness with your feet when you're walking, running, um, that goes for your knee and your back, uh, go see those people. They can help you. They really can. And, uh, I know I was having some issues and I went by and, and visited them and uh, got some uh, art support and I don't have any of those problems now. So I can testify that it, it really does work. So you need to go see those people. Also uh, at the Aberdeen barn, my goodness, that's uh, best steakhouse in the state of Virginia. Uh, talk to any Virginia football, basketball player over the decades and they'll tell you that that's still their favorite place to go eat in Charlottesville whenever they come back and um, can't beat the atmosphere and you can't beat the food and the service. So by all means, uh, on game night, after you've uh, celebrated a Virginia win, go up, go by there and uh, have a nice juicy steak and talk to Angela and, and uh, enjoy the atmosphere, the Wahoo atmosphere in that place. It's incredible. Also, UVA Orthopedics. You don't have to wear a Virginia uniform to get helped by UVA Orthopedics. They're on the sidelines at all Virginia games and certainly are out there to take care of all the Wahoo athletes who might get injured during the game. But uh, they are here with the best facility, uh, most up-to-date, state-of-the-art facility on the East Coast now out on Ivy Road. Can't miss it if you look over there. On the side of the road, it's a huge building. All the doctors, all the services under one roof uh, where they can can consult each other for any patient that requires more than than one uh, look-see. Can't get any better than than these guys. They're uh, nationally known, do clinics all over the country all the time, Um, and uh, they can take care of any problem you've got. So uh, if you have a problem, go see UVA Orthopedics. Also, Ragged Mountain Running Shop, Mark Lorenzoni and Cynthia, two great people, uh, have every running shoe uh, that you can imagine in there and, and can give you tips on running. We're going to start our uh, running podcast again now that uh, things are getting active again. So uh, please thank all these sponsors for bringing you this Free content. We appreciate it. We wouldn't be here without them. Uh, one other thing I'd like to say before uh, we sign off, Chris, is you got to salute Virginia's men's and women's golf team. I know they don't get a lot of publicity, but they're coming off two incredible performances this past week, uh, particularly two players, one for each team. Um, Amanda Sambach, Sambach 
uh, took home medalist honors uh, Wednesday after the final round of play in the Annika Intercollegiate Tournament uh, and uh, received our trophy in person from uh, women's golf legend Annika Sornstam uh, for that effort. And, uh, I mean, goodness gracious, she tore it up all week down there. And uh, Ben James, a freshman on the men's team, watch out, people. Uh, what Amanda, uh, excuse me, what Amanda is doing for the uh, women's team, uh, Ben James is doing for the men's team. He he could end up being the best golfer to ever come out of UVA. We we'll have to wait and see. He's just a freshman, but uh, he he shot twenty under par in the tournament this past week. A pretty good way to introduce yourself as a freshman. <laughs> Um, we've written some about him uh, over the summer. He played on an exemption in, I think, the Travelers Tournament up in uh, Connecticut this summer. And uh, I mean, he's just a phenomenal golfer for his age. Uh, we keep hearing great stories about him. We'll have to either write more about him or have him on a podcast or both here really soon. But uh, what two, uh, Great uh, one-two punches for the men and women's team is with uh, Amanda Sambach and uh, Ben James. And and they're not the only good players on those teams either. So um, watch out for men's and women's golf this fall. They, they're off to a flying start. Good stuff there. Good stuff there. Well, the, the football game kicks off at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, between now and then, JerryRatcliffe.com has lots and lots and lots about the game. So does AugustaFreePress.com, getting you ready for UVA ODU. Then during the game, you can follow Jerry on Twitter. I'll tweet a little bit too, but uh, Jerry, Jerry's a, a good resource there on Twitter during the game. And then post game, we'll have it all. Um, hopefully, a lot of good stuff for you after that. Um, for Jerry Ratcliffe, I'm Chris Graham signing off. Everyone have a great day.